This is Mrs. Danville. How do you do? How do you do? I have everything in readiness for you. That's very good of you. I, I didn't expect anything. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Fashion Grunge Podcast. I'm Lauren. Hey, I am Charles. I am excited because this is backtrack number 11. The last backtrack we did was Christian F, which is like one of the most dark films I've ever seen. So this is kind of dark, but it's also like pretty fucking genius and funny and suspenseful and almost a per. This is like if you're a film nerd, this this should be like a Bible film, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. We're talking Rebecca from 1940, directed by Alfred motherfucking Hitchcock. Last night I dreamt I went to Mandalay again. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I apologize in advance for all of our like really weird early Hollywood accented British uh, impersonations of the like almost the entire film because you can't do it without saying like goodbye my dear and good luck (laughs) (laughs) um it just doesn't work if we just say goodbye my dear and good luck it doesn't work so (laughs) you have to act it out but i am so fucking excited this is number 11 1940 so this is probably the earliest one we've done i think it is because i think the earliest one after this we did was gaslight 44 right yeah yeah, and then we have Rebel Without a Cause. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do Arsenic and Old Lace, which is a great Cary Grant film, but we are also going to do Jaws before that. Yay! Because I've never seen it. I know, shocker. And we're going to do it for 4th of July, so yeah. Um, yeah. that makes sense. So yeah, that will be before Cary Grant, but I mean, as far as like older films, yeah, I mean, there's so many to do still. I know. Um, that I even haven't seen. We, you could probably do an entire podcast on just, like, movies made before 1990. I mean, yeah, I could. <laughs> Eventually this could... Well, this is a Patreon, so you know what I mean? Like, this maybe will be in a preview at some point, but I'm sure there are podcasts that are all about, like, one decade. I mean, there's yeah. still a ton of 90s movies to watch. Oh, I know. I still want to watch that movie Crash where people, like, get off on car crashes. It's like that Cronenberg film. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, like, I'm still trying to watch that, which I've never seen. We still have to do Don't Tell the Mom and Babysitter Said. Like, we're... We're fine for a while. <laughs> There's like yeah. still a lot. We've at least like two or three years of of content. Not to mention like TV shows on Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot. We still have to do like two more Simpsons. I want to do the Blossom pilot at some point because mm. I love Blossom. And Swan's Crossing is another one that I said I was going to do. It's the the show that Sarah Michelle Gellar was in in oh, like '92. Um, there are a lot. Like so, there's a ton of shit. So. Yay. I'm excited. But this premiered March 28th, 1940. I believe it came out in April for in the theaters. But yeah, this is a an oldie based on the novel by Daphne du Maurier. Now you've read Rebecca, right? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, this is, um, this is, I mean, it's more or less the same story that we see in the movie. Like there are like some small things that are different here, here and there, but um it's um it's just like such beautiful language and just like just see it's beautiful sweeping just just descriptions of Manderley and it's it's like tall like gothic you know like you know like structures and you know sweeping landscapes and you know Mrs. Danvers' eyes just you know God. just you know tracking you across the room. 
If you haven't guessed, there's another uh, Oscar Rage segment coming up. Oh, don't get me started. Actually, <laughs> like, actually, actually, get me started because I have a lot to say. Yeah, but... there's a lot of fucking Oscar Rage in this motherfucking <laughs> thing. I have to say, the fact that uh, Judith Anderson or Dame Judith Anderson did not win a fucking Oscar for this. Oh my it, god, it's illegal. Like it, it's illegal. This is what the fuck. Well, who won? Was it was this Gone with the Wind? Is this one that year? So was... this is the year after Gone with the Wind. Okay, well, so that was about thirty nine. So this movie was nominated for eleven Oscars: uh, Best Picture, Best Actor in a Leading Role, Lawrence Olivier, Best Actress in a Leading Role, Joan Fontaine, Best Act- Actress in a Supporting Role, Joan Anderson, Best Director, Best Writing, uh, Comma Screenplay. I think there were like multiple screenwriting awards back then, oh. and so like um. So I think there was like best story, best screenplay, and then like best story and best screenplay. Like so, I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure what the difference was. Oh. Um, and this was also when all the technical categories were split into color and black and white. So oh, it was yeah, not this me. Is black and white. Yeah. Yeah. So this was not only for best cinematography, back black, black and white, best art direction, black and white, um, best uh, film editing, best uh, special effects, and best original score. Damn. Um, and um, this movie won two Oscars. It won Best Picture. Which is crazy. I mean, it's amazing, but... Um, which is cool, but and then it won, like, Best Black and White s- s- Cinematography. But it didn't win any anything else. <laughs> so... That's weird. <clears throat> Especially for it to win Best Picture. Yeah. Like, that's kind of, that means it's, like, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So why wouldn't you single out at least one actor? Um, well, I um the other nominees for best actor in a leading role were Charlie Chaplin for The Great Dictator. Oh shit. Henry Fonda for The Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, this is stacked. We're talking the 40s. I yeah. mean, this is kind of like hard. <laughs> Raymond Massey for Abe, Abe Lincoln in Illinois. Oh, and God. the Oscar that year went to Jimmy Stewart for the Philadelphia story. Oh fuck, that's right. Which, the Philadelphia which story. He shouldn't have won because he should have won the Oscar the year before for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Oh yeah. But he didn't win because the Academy fucked it up. So they had to give Jimmy Stewart a consolation Oscar <laughs> the following year, and it just threw everything off. And fuck. so on top of that. Joan Fontaine was clearly the person who should have won Best Actress this year because the uh, uh, other nominees were Betty Davis for The, the, the Letter, <laughs> Catherine Hepburn for um, the, Philadelphia the, the Philadelphia Story, Martha Scott for Our Town, but none of them won because the Oscar went to Ginger <gasps> Rogers for Kitty Foyle. And so then the following year, Joan Fontaine won her Constellation <laughs> Oscar for Suspicion. I know, so. I know. <laughs> which was another Hitchcock movie. And I think Hitchcock never won a Best Director, did nope. he? No, I think he was nominated five times, but ne- never, just never won, won, period. Fuck, um, man. And um, then on, on top of all of that, the nominees for Best Actress in a Supporting Role were Barbara yeah. O'Neill for All This and Heaven Too. Um, <laughs> Marjorie Ram- Rambeau for Primrose Path. Uh, Ruth Hussey for The Philadelphia Story. And the, uh, uh, along with Judith Anson for Rebecca. And the Oscar that year went to Jane Darwell for The Grapes of Wrath. Oh, God. So, like, were you all asleep? 
Like, what the fuck happened? The, the answer is yes. These, uh, these uh, people were just like, apparently wouldn't know good taste if it hit them in the face. So. What the fuck? <laughs> like, honestly, like, that's fucking wild and it's fucking crazy. Like, I just don't understand. I, I just, I really just don't understand. No, I don't get it. It's like so weird. And then on top of that, Hitchcock didn't win Best Director because that went to John Ford for The Grapes of Wrath. Didn't, like, didn't also, like, Scorsese, like, just get it for The Departed? Yeah. And it's like, really? (laughs) Like, (laughs) The Departed was good, but, like, come on. No taxi driver? No fucking raging bull? Like, really? Goodfellas? Goodfellas? Yeah, not, like, nothing. Casino? The Age of Innocence? I don't don't, don't think, I don't think. Cape Fear? Yeah, Cape Fear. We have to do Cape Fear. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, so we have to do Cape Fear. Also, have you seen any of the Black Mirrors yet? I they just not. they just came out. I just watched the first one. I wasn't into it. I I watched it for the sake of finishing it, but I have to say that story I wasn't into. But I'm I'm keeping it plugging. But I I'll, I think it's because this first one, and I think Charlie Brooker actually said the the guy who does it was saying that like I haven't done it for so long because every time I want to create something, it actually ends up happening. <laughs> like the world is actually getting really fucking scary now. So like the weird shit that I came up with. When, like, that could never happen, so it was, like, weird. Now it's, like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Like, (laughs) AI shit, neural implants, like, all that shit can happen now. We're not, like, too far. So I think it's kind of, like, oh, like, this. it's, like, what the fuck do I do? So, yeah, it was actually pretty nuts. Selma Hayek was in the first one, though. Oh, cool. That was was interesting that she was in it. But I can't wait to watch the Josh Hartnett one, which I heard is number three. And Alfred Aaron Paul, I think, is also in that one. Oh, nice. And someone else. There's another actor, too, that I knew. I think Rory Culkin is in one that I'm excited to watch. Because I like the cast, which I think is cool that they have, like, more notable cast now. But, I yeah, Yeah. that's one I have to, like, put on my list to watch and stuff. But my first question is... What was your, like, history with this film? When did you first see it? I'm pretty sure I watched it with you. Um, I was going to say, I probably like, told you about it. Like, I'm pretty sure we, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I watched it with you at your house, or I borrowed it from you, or something. Um, because, um, because, I know, because I, I think, I think we watched it together, because I think you were there. Um, yeah, I think so. I vaguely remember. Yeah. I've seen this a lot. Um, and then, um, and then college, I actually took a, um, course and during the summer it it was actually re- re- really nice because I like had class at uh, Monday and Thursday from eight to ten at night and that was it. <laughs> so, oh, nice! Yeah, um, but I uh, I, I, had a, I had a class in college that was just called Classic American Cinema, oh, and we cool. um, just like watched movies that were made before nineteen fifty five. Oh, and so this was like a. Um, so for our like final project, I should do do a research paper on 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 a movie. And Rebecca was a movie I like heavily considered, but ended up going with Mr. Smith goes to Washington because I have a thing for Jimmy Stewart. So <laughs> <laughs> not a thing for Sir Lawrence Olivier. I mean, you know, he, he's all right. He is a bit of a candy ass in this movie. <laughs> like he definitely <laughs> is. He definitely is. I do still think he's like pretty foxy though. No, he is. He is. I like his suits. I mean, we'll get to like the fashion bit, but I like his suits. I I like his vibe though. I like how he's. I also I wonder if this was shot chronologically because it seems like towards the end ish, like he somehow tolerates her a little bit more. 
yeah. than he did in the beginning, <laughs> unless that was just like the direction. Yeah. But um, it's kind of funny because at first he was just like, oh, it literally looked like she was like this kid sister that he was like stuck with. Yeah. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing here? And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, they're dating? Oh, this is flirting? Is that what he's trying to do? Like, this is really weird. So, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. But, yeah, I my mom first told me about this because she loves oh, old nice. movies. Yeah. Um, this is even before her day, but I think she just – this is, like, one of those cla- – like kind of a classic Hitchcock. It's his first U.S. film. He did okay. a lot of films in, in uh, England, but this was his first one that was, like – brought over from David Oselznik, who we'll get into in the behind the scenes, because they have a very, like, producer-director relationship that was quite contentious at times. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he brought Hitchcock over to the U.S., and he was like, come to the U.S., like, you know, make films and stuff, so I want to adapt this this novel, and then that's kind of, like, how this movie came out, or well. came to be, but... But yeah, so it's interesting that this was obviously this isn't what you know of Hitchcock. Most people know like Psycho and what Rear Window, North by Northwest, um, you know those films. Dial M for Murder, another one of my favorites mm. that we'll have to do. But um, but this one, I feel like I never hear about. Yeah. But I think a lot of people have seen it, but it's people don't talk about. It. I mean, Lawrence Olivier is really famous. Like he's yeah, he was one of the big you know film stars of the age. I think he was more Shakespearean. Like, that was his um, main. I think he was sort of like what Kenneth Branagh was to us now. Yeah, that's true. And then now I think he doesn't. I think now doesn't... Kenneth Branagh... He might still do some of the plays or, like, theater, but I think now he's, like, directing. Yeah, yeah. He did, like, Thor. Yeah, yeah. He did, like, the first (laughs) Thor. Yeah, so he does, like, other directing. And he was in Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. He was that guy in the second one. Gilderoy Lockhart. Yeah, that's right. Gilderoy Lockhart. The one who, like, lied about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's really funny. But, but yeah, so this is, like, one of those really great ones. I have to say, I'll, I'll add the link uh, here in the notes for this uh, podcast. Uh, but also, um, I think I put it in the other Patreon message that this is on YouTube. Uh, the yeah, full cool. movie, which which is really good. That hopefully, like, it's easy to watch. It's free. So, um, I definitely encourage people to watch it. So... Uh, let's move on to behind the scenes. You already mentioned the Oscars. Yeah, so, um... Do you have anything else interesting? Or, yeah, what are, like, your stats that you found out? Um, so, um, on Rotten Tomatoes, has a score of, a credit score of 98%. Yeah, that's... Um, which is, I think, about right. It should be 100, but we won't quibble. (laughs) It has an audience score of 92%, though. And I was like, seriously? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like... Like where where are the eight points? Show me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and are you um, not entertained? <laughs> Even though I hate what's that fucking Russell Crowe? They're doing a new um, Gladiator, which may get me to watch it because Pedro Pascal and Paul Mescal are in it. I mean, that's a or pretty Mescal. That's a pretty good, good cast. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's enough for me. Pedro's enough for me to see anything. I'm trying yeah. to see that that cowboy movie with him and Ethan Hawke. Ugh, Whenever I mean, the fuck that comes out, was it's like thirty minutes. I don't think it's gonna be in a theater, but I was like, oh, why? <laughs> I know why. Can't you just double this? Yeah. Make it like a film. Doesn't it have to be like seventy minutes to be a film or something. Yeah. Something yeah, like, like something like that, like a little over an hour. Like just do it. I, th- I think that it. I think that. I think it just has to be like over forty minutes, not be considered a feature length film. Oh, okay. Um, do they have a short film category in the Oscars? Mm-hmm. 
They yeah. have to. Yeah, they have oh. both the live action and animated one. Oh, um, oh, cool. But, you know, whenever those come on, that's when it's like, all right, time to <laughs> snack. refill my drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. right. Well, now, because they used to do them in the 90s, but now they don't even show anything. Yeah, They'll no. just be like, oh, these were Oscars were given, uh, you know, like, earlier tonight. And it'll be like, best supporting <laughs> actor. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. They're not going to show best supporting actor? Yeah, they like some, now they do foreign film because it's yeah. been like a thing. But sometimes, you know, they wouldn't do that. Which is kind of crazy. Um, oh, yeah, sorry, go on. Rotten Tomatoes. Um, oh, yeah, so um, that's um, that's actually all I have besides my Oscars rate section. Um, oh, you don't have any other notes? No. Oh, okay, cool. I was ex- I was like, oh, I wonder if he's going to have all this. So there is a really cool little documentary. It's like a half hour that was probably on one of those like AMC channels at some point. That's like a making of Rebecca. So I was watching that and a lot of it was like uh, Hitchcock's granddaughter was on it. And they talk a lot about David O. Selznick, who's the producer of this movie, who also produced Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. So he was like really, really involved in the filmmaking. And Hitchcock obviously knew what he was doing because they got him because he was really big in England. But they knew that he could do this. But he was like... He optioned, um, Selznick optioned the novel. Uh, Hitchcock actually read the novel of Rebecca when it was a manuscript before it was even published because he was friends with Daphne du Maurier's brother. Oh, cool. And he wanted to make it. He'd read it and really wanted to make it. And then, um, but he didn't have the money at the time to be able to buy the rights to it. So then later on, David O. Selznick had the rights to it. So he was, so he already knew the story and he was like, oh, cool. Like, I want to do this. But Selznick was like, okay but like i want everything on that page to be on the screen i don't want like any changes at all and hitchcock was like "Uh, like there's some things that i think we should change like spoiler alert if anyone i mean i'm sure you've probably seen the movie if you're listening to this because i always say that because i don't know why you unless you just want to hear us talk but yeah (laughs) um i would think it would make a lot of sense but in the book as you've read the book so you can corroborate this i don't know it says in the book maxim actually does kill rebecca Mm -hmm. and in the movie what happens is uh in this long twisted story that i feel like this movie does have a pacing issue yeah um which we'll get into a little bit later like it does feel a lot longer than it is um and i feel like from the cabin moment until the end it's very drawn out and i really yes. like the beginning half of this film more than the back half like mm-hmm. second act or third act really but um anyway so in this story hitchcock was like i don't want to do that i don't want to have also because there was an old law in hollywood that if you did something if you committed murder in a film right you had to be paid you had to pay for your crime yes. you essentially could not just like get away with it um, this was um, this is the Hayes Code, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's basically like it happens in a lot of of uh, different Hitchcock films. Like if someone someone's caught, it's never like oh, and we don't know what happened. Of course, mm. nowadays that's all we have is like you find out that they got the wrong person and that like this person was never found or like whatever the story is. So anyway, so that's so he changed it into like now in this film, it's very much like she had a terminal illness, but she made. Maxim believed that she was pregnant because she thought that that would make him kill her. Yeah. And that's yeah. how she was going to die. That's how, like, she was kind of framing him to, to have her die. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't work. But obviously in the other story, 
what they would have in the book. I don't know how the book ends. Um, and you did send me that there was a prequel that was written in like the early two thousands, but actually endorsed by the Demoria estate. And there's a prequel yes. and a sequel. I don't know what actually happens because if it, if the book, he actually kills her, that would mean in the movie, he would have to go to jail in the end. That would just, or yeah. he would die or like someone well, would shoot him or something. I think it more or less it's the same way where they're, Thanks for listening to the Fashion Grunge podcast. To hear more of this episode, go check out our Patreon. We have two tiers, $3 and $5 a month that include TV shows, uh, documentaries, 90s culture, everything basically that we talk about that's not a movie is on the $5 tier. And all of the movies before 1990, released after 1990, and all of the full archive of interviews are available on the $3 tier. So go check that out. Patreon.com slash fashion grunge. Asta.